0: As we come to the scripture reading this morning, one of the characters, one of those voices that we continually hear in the midst of this season is the voice of the prophet. And a reminder that a prophet's role is to speak truth as God. And as you hear these words that are so familiar, think, please, of what's going on in the life of Matthew's community. They have literally lost everything. And yet, Matthew uses these words as well as a light to penetrate the darkness, the light that can warm, illuminate, even enlighten this population who are desperate for some good news. And so, as we hear these, see if we can find that in the midst of this reading.
1: The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness And all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks Thanks
0: be to God. It was really nice, particularly last week and and even the week before, to watch some of you come up and look at these pictures. And a reminder that these are not all that are going to appear on the wall. There will be a growing number um, throughout the year. Even in Lent, we're looking at adding pictures to this, but in Lent, we're looking at doing them in black and white, Uh, a stark reminder that, that those kinds of times of peace can come in simplicity. But as I said, there are, there are two pictures specifically that I want to focus on today. But I just, I got to tell you, I just noticed one that just sits above this as we talk about burden bearing. And so I, I just want to lift that one up as well. Uh, before I get to that one, again, a reminder this picture here looks simply like a hand holding a rock. And yet it is so much deeper than simply a hand holding a rock. A rock. Many of us find beautiful rocks, and we save them, and some collect them. That's not what this one necessarily is. And then right up there, you see the baby changing, and then right to the just lower right of that is a field. You can see a road by the field if you look closely at it, a tree up on the right, and there is a hillside, a rough-looking kind of hillock, if you will, with a post coming out of it. And on top of that post is an ancient iron cross. This picture represents a beginning of a journey. That picture represents later in the journey. But if you'll notice, just up about two pictures of that, I look at the beginning of a journey of Isaac there being changed by his birth mother, the beginning potentially of a new day up there, and the carrying of a burden, and there's Bud Bennett, Right, Bud? Uh, and that's Alina. And he has just carried her up about, I guess it's a three-mile hill outside, just across the lake from their cabin over in, eastern, um, in Idaho. Burden-bearing. And I'll talk more about this rock, but I will tell you again, the rock and the cross are the beginning and the end of the Camino pilgrimage in Spain for Benny Biesma. And again, we'll talk about that in just a second. I I want to talk for a minute about this story. And again, I said there are there are certain things that tie this Christmas story together, particularly in the Gospel of Matthew. And it begins with that incredible understanding of Mary. Who was she? How was she? Why did she get chosen? Then there's her husband-to-be, and a reminder that they are not married at the beginning of this story. And here's Joseph, and the first sentence in the Gospel says, and he was a righteous man. Then the Holy Spirit becomes a part of this narrative. And then an angel, and again, angel is a message from God. So God is a part of this narrative, giving some clear instruction to Joseph. The prophet is a part of this story. The wise men find a place in this story Herod even finds a place in this story. And it is that amazing combination that helps us understand the deeper meanings of what we need to understand, not just about this narrative, but also about us. And what I'd like to do is just kind of walk through some of those pieces. Particularly, let's start with Mary. And again, the, the scripture helps us understand it, the, the, the true translation. I mean, the, the original language does not say virgin. The original translation says a young girl. And there was an assumption that went with what it meant to be a young girl. A young girl was innocent. A young girl was naive. A young girl, particularly in those areas, understood that her role, and really her singular role, was to be pure, but also to serve the family and learn what it meant to be a good Jewish woman. Oh, and by the way, Jewish women of that era had but two roles. Again, serve your husband, serve your husband, and bear male children, period. That's it. That's it. So here's Mary, and, and you're introduced to this young girl, and immediately, Matthew, in one sentence, after the whole genealogy, after you know, the explanation of genealogy, in one sentence, he destroys her reputation. In one sentence, absolutely, completely, and totally destroys her reputation. And all too often, we get so caught up in the whole virgin aspect of it that we forget the the deeper meaning. And the deeper meaning was, she is going to bear a child with no husband. And is already betrothed to someone who is not the father of that child. You know, we live in a modern, a more modern age, but there is still, there is still a stigma that gets attached to a young girl getting pregnant who isn't in necessarily some strong relationship. And believe me, if you multiplied that by 10, you wouldn't even come close to the stigma that was attached to it back then. And again, a reminder, and I know I've shared this a lot, but the law clearly stated that this young 14, probably year old girl, was then to be dragged out to the edge of the city, taken outside the gates, so that her blood would not be spilled in the purity of the city and be stoned to death for that sin. Wow. And now we understand this is God's child? What is that about? You talk about bearing burdens. Think about what it would have felt like to her We get this romanticized version of of what that must have felt like to her. She knew the law. She knew what was supposed to happen to her. She knew what she was to bear. She knew whose child it was. And she carried that with a, a maturity and a trust and a grace that to some extent was unheard of in that time. Matthew is trying to make a point here that God will God will choose whom God will choose no matter who no matter what no matter where no matter how God will choose and there is a holiness to that choice then she bears the burden of understanding who potentially this child would be and frankly friends I, in in this point at this point in the christmas narrative i don't care whether you believe in a virgin birth or not What I'm asking you is to understand the deeper meaning about what this is. And this continuation of Matthew to say, everybody's in. And let me show you how deeply that point is to be made by choosing this young girl to bear a child. Unwed, but betrothed. Burden bearer. And then she has to carry the child for nine months. Then there's Joseph. And again, the first sentence, Matthew makes this point, the first sentence beyond his name and his introduction is, and he was a righteous man. Well, what does that mean? It means he followed the law. He followed the law to the nth degree. And now suddenly he is, uh, he, he is facing one of the most incredible ethical dilemmas of his life. Think about it. He's a righteous man and he is to follow the law. He is a law abiding citizen. At every, at, you would not be called righteous if he broke laws. He doesn't break laws. And now with this ethical dilemma, he is facing this beloved potential wife who is now pregnant. And to protect her, he wants to divorce her quietly. Okay, first of all, they live in a small town. Anybody ever lived in a small town? Anybody ever lived in a small town where one of the chosen favorite cheerleaders becomes pregnant? Yeah, see? There is nothing quiet about this. And so here he is, and, and I love this, so he decides he needs to sleep on it. He goes to bed, he goes to sleep, and suddenly there is clarity. And I think for many of us, there's some real truth here. That some of the points at which we are able to see most clearly is that place right between asleep and awake. Right? And it's amazing that there's clarity, and even clarity within our dreams on occasion. And there was for Joseph at this point. And this message from God comes down and says... Joseph, as a righteous man, break the law. That was not the intent of the law. My intent is to shift. My intent is to love with grace. My intent even is to protect those who need protection. That's the intent of my law. So he does. And he embraces her. They're married. And out of that is born a son. And talk about the next piece of the burden for him. He's going to raise this child as his own. You get that? He is raising this child as his own. He is not the birth father. And he does. But it's a burden. Any parent will tell you it's a burden. Sorry, kids. You're hard work. You are. Burden bearer. Perfect timing for the voice. <laughs> Thanks, Nita. <laughs> then you have this amazing story of these prophets. And 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 you heard you heard Karen read it. And again, the, the role of the prophet is so significant here because the prophet's role is to speak for God, is to be that voice of truth for God. And the prophet Isaiah, and there are three sections of Isaiah, each written by different authors, each dealing with the specific crisis in time for the, for the Hebrew people, for the Jews of that time. Matthew uses this because this is a time of absolute desperation. An absolute need for is born out of the destruction of the temple to redefine what faith and life and God is. And out of that comes this amazing narrative of of new birth. Of new birth out of darkness. Of new birth out of blood. And the wars that took place and the fact that Rome has destroyed not only the temple, but thousands upon thousands of people. And we're going to get to Herod in just a second. But this, there is such a need right now for hope. And the hope lays, like it did in Isaiah's time, in a child. That innocent, vulnerable child. And even Isaiah is a burden bearer. Then you have the whole thing about the wise men. <laughs> and a reminder, these these men were not were not jews they were not god fearers even at that time but they were believers and believed that something greater was coming and had studied their whole lives to figure out what that was they were astrologers they they followed and looked at the stars and somehow a star and they was there and 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 to guide them and the whole story about the following of the star, this astrological sign of following that was so nature-focused. And they they caught it, and they got it, and they believed enough and trusted enough to drop everything that they had except for their concern about what appropriate gifts would be for the one who is to come. Dorothy was online last night until one thirty in the morning. <laughs> I can't believe you're here because, because I get to, I was hoping to talk about you when you're not here. <laughs> but you know, one of the things she was looking for was the perfect gift for our oldest daughter because our, our oldest daughter informed us the other night as we celebrated Dorothy's birthday and did tree decorating that the thing she wanted from Santa more than anything was a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man onesie. Now... I grew up in a time where onesies were baby clothing. I had no idea that that's no longer the case. It's all the rage that adults want onesies. They're footy pajamas. Well, they're footy pajamas. Okay, same thing. They're footy pajamas and some of them have hoods. But the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? Well, it's because she loves Ghostbusters. And this thing has this little hood that goes over that completes the ensemble. But it... it So, so that's what she was doing last night was trying to find where in the world you find a, an adult size stay puff marshmallow man onesie that would fit, you know, a really short woman. She's really short Uh, and and, mind. And so, um, so (sighs) we do this at Christmas. We want to find the right gift. And and so many of us spend an inordinate amount of time, whether it's on Black Friday or online or wherever it is, trying to make sure that we have the absolute perfect gift. Friends, i got to tell you, there's another word for that. It's a burden! But we bear it out of love. Right? We bear it because we want on that Christmas morning or Christmas Eve or whenever it is that those gifts are open, to get the look. Right? To get the look. Whoa! yeah, you really think the wise men were any different? They wanted to bring the right gifts. And those gifts are so symbolic. And there's symbolism throughout this. And let's not miss that. They bore the burden of that. They bore the burden of wanting life to be better than it was. They wanted, they wanted to bear the burden of finding the gifts that would do something to honor this child And then they bore the burden of traveling hundreds upon hundreds of miles following this bizarre celestial event to find that child. They would do anything to find the child. But then they're confronted by the opposition. Herod. Herod carried a different kind of burden. For Herod, the burden was power. And he carried that power in some of the most malicious, unhealthy, violent ways. And right after the wise men's story comes the murder of the babies. That's how he carried the burden. Wow. Every single one of us carries burdens. And that's why I want to come now to this. Benny Biesma. Benny Biesma. Many of you have met Benny, and he is he is Ginny Truscott's new fiance. They met. They met on the El Camino, El Camino de Santiago, the Way of the Pilgrimage in Spain, eight hundred mile pilgrimage, and many take on the whole thing. One of the Christian traditions of that pilgrimage is to either bring a stone or a rock that represents something of a burden to you. That stone represents, for Benny, the death of his wife. She died at 49 years old of cancer. And for years after that, Benny carried that burden with him. And when he made the decision for the first time to go to the Camino as a pilgrimage, he decided that he needed to carry that stone with him the full length of the way and allow God to speak to him along that road about how to better carry the loss of his wife. What that is, this hill It's not that this pole was planted in a small hillside. The pole was planted and what that hill is that you see around that hill with the cross on top are the thousands upon thousands upon thousands of stones that at the end of the pilgrimage get laid at the foot of the cross. And the hope is that there will be release at the end of that. Thousands upon thousands... Last week I looked up a dozen stories of, of what those stones represented. A story of a man who literally carried a 40-pound stone from Ireland as a penance for what he thought was a life that he lived poorly. And the story about his carrying that stone was once he laid it at the, at the foot of that cross, the stone shattered. Shattered it shattered. And the way that that became such an incredible release for him. Benny laid that stone the first time he did this at the foot of that cross. Not to try and let go of his first wife. But as a conscious decision to say this chapter that I will cherish for the rest of my life. Will end, and from here I will move forward. And the miracle is, it wasn't long after that that he met Ginny, who had also lost her husband, and did the pilgrimage in honor of him to try and figure out what life was going to be like without him. What I love about these two pictures, and Daniel Flehyve did created these collages thanks to, to Bill Ferguson who created the pictures out of what you sent in, guess what's between these two? This. And for Ginny, for Ginny and for Benny, that is the central piece of their lives and believe that God was at the center of them meeting each other. The miracle of Christ. And Ginny leaves on Friday to head home back to to Benny's home in the Netherlands, and they will celebrate Christmas together for the first time. Friends, God is in the midst of our burdens. God was with Mary. God was with Joseph. God was with the wise men. God was that voice of that angel that night. God was absolutely the voice of Isaiah. God continues to seek to be the voice and, and tough things can happen when we choose to ignore the voice of God. Herod. Finally, let me just say one of the things that I love about Aldersgate is how often you choose in some incredibly intentional ways to carry each other's burdens. I need to share with you in just a couple minutes a burden that I've been carrying for the last, about the last year. I shared it with my class on Wednesday. I shared it with First Service, and now I want to share it with you. Within the United Methodist system, as many of you know, if you've been around it for a long time, rumors fly about changes in pastors. And I knew that my name had been attached to one of those rumors. And and I really struggled with that. My superintendent was in my office about a week and a half to two weeks ago, and I asked her about that. And it was my name being attached to a, a position of leadership in the conference that wasn't with the local church that was to potentially come in about a year and a half. And I sat with Pat and we had a really truly remarkable conversation about this. And a quote of hers is, you're going to have to argue your case for staying with the bishop. I kept using the word with her, as you've heard me use with with some of you on occasion, is, you know, being a pastor in a church has to be an investment and it can't be a part-time partial investment. It has to be a full investment. And that's what I said to her. And so, immediately after that conversation, I emailed the bishop. And I have his personal email so we didn't have to go through his secretary. And we set up an appointment that was last Thursday. And I sat with the bishop and I argued the case. And for me, the case was, and this is very deeply personal, the case was to invest in Aldersgate for, for the rest of my career. And... And I know for some of you that may be a struggle. And they go, "Oh God, really?" <laughs> for others, I hope it's not. <laughs> but but he came back, and here's what he said about you. He said, "He said, I see Aldersgate, and he he knew we were meeting, and he knew to some extent what we were talking about, and, and he came back, and there are files on churches." He came back and he said, we've all been in wonderment about Aldersgate. Because Aldersgate has a tendency to, we believe, hit some ceiling at some point. And, and it, it just doesn't seem to be able to grow or become more vibrant beyond that ceiling. And I said, I can tell you why. <laughs> it's because we're even having this conversation. And part of that ceiling has to do with the amount of time pastors spend here. And that this church gets to a certain point and then the pastor leaves. And can we not do that this time? And I, I think and I believe um, that, that my hope and my prayer is that if you'll invest in me for the, these next five to seven to ten years, please know that I will fully and completely invest in you. And let's do this together. And let's break that ceiling. Let's figure out what it is, and let's get through it. There's a leadership model that I'm going to be presenting at, the, at the, after the beginning of the year, and there's been this fear about it that somehow it makes such significant changes that we're not going to feel like it's the same. I'll, I'll tell you what, it's not much different than what we're doing right now, but it's expanding the leadership in the church. You're going to see right after the first of the year, in Friendship Hall, a list of 150 possibilities for leadership in this church. 150. Unless you believe you don't have a place, the other thing we're going to do after the first of the year is we're going to lift the burden off of you to say, where do I need to serve? And we're going to do spiritual gifts surveys. And we're going to look at talents and all manner of things together. And I have this prayer that every one of those 150 spaces are going to be filled And we're going to move forward together into this. If you have questions about any of that, please tell me. Please tell me. And let's talk about it. Let me talk with you about, about that. But I wanted to tell you about this burden. And believe me, Dorothy and I struggled a lot with all of this and spent a lot of time talking through. We would love to spend the rest of our career days with you. And would find that a deeply humbling honor to be able to do that. I fought for that last Thursday, and he said yes. So I share that. Now, let me close with this thought. These candles each represent a piece of our journey toward that night that we'll celebrate on December 24th, where this candle will be lit. We remember on that night that it was a child, vulnerable, a family alone in a far-off place who was to be the Savior, the Changer, the Redefiner, the Burden Bearer to help us understand how we are to live our lives. What burdens do you carry today? What burdens are you willing to share with others so that you don't have to carry any of it alone? What burdens do you see beyond these walls that we're not yet dealing with? And what might we do to fill them? And let's make sure that throughout it all, we follow the light. And the light guides us. And the light defines us. And the light warms us. And the light ignites us. I wonder. I wonder. I wonder. What's out there. Now. Will you pray with me? God, we we gather in this place and know that every one of us carries burdens. We, we gather in this place and, and wonder what your call for us might be. We wonder about being redefined as righteous and what that may mean today. We wonder about those in need of protection and what our role may be there. We wonder what gifts we bring. And we even wonder where, where, the burdens that we carry are inappropriate or at least dealt with inappropriately. All of these come to us and yet in the midst of it all we can lay our burdens at the foot of an ancient cross and be redefined as we move from some of those. Guide us in this time of Christmas. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.